For the past few weeks, I found myself utterly bothered with people in general. I drove down Franklin Avenue this past week behind a garbage truck, and I watched as the sanitation workers were emptying the recycles, recyclables for the various houses as they were going along. And being behind the truck, I stayed some distance so that, of course, you know, to give them room to work. And I watched as the workers grabbed the baskets and the, the garbage bins and they threw the garbage in and much of the contents ended up on the street, not in the truck. Of course, I pulled up and I accosted the sanitation worker and to his credit, he apologized. But my mind took me to the place where to think that I had to say something for him to recognize that what he had done bothered me. I was driving to school on my way to the university where I teach, and I wanted to switch from the lane I was in to the left lane so that I could make my way towards the bridge. And as I turned on my indicator, four cars sped up to deny me passage into the lane, as fate would have it. Those same vehicles, because I watched them, one of them needed to come back into my lane. So, sure enough, I let the person in, thinking to myself that they probably had no knowledge that I was the same person that they had refused to let into the lane earlier. Walk up to any cashier to make a purchase these days, and you would think that you're doing these people a favor by purchasing merchandise. Sometimes, if you're lucky, you're able to get in and out because they're so busy talking to whoever they're talking to on the phone while you wait for their conversation to end before you are even acknowledged or able to complete your purchase. As I'm listening and I'm telling you these things, I'm seeing the heads nod because what I'm talking about are things that you have experienced yourself. And I'm bringing this up because I'm thinking to myself, people are no longer courteous. People are rude and disrespectful. People are impolite in their attitudes and their behavior towards other people. People no longer say please and thank you. What happened? What happened to us? I remember growing up in a time where, at least where I was growing up in Jamaica, to have your parents, or anyone for that matter, say that you had bad upbringing. There was a time where you wouldn't want to be held in that kind of a regard, where your parents would be so embarrassed to have other people say, your children have bad upbringing. 
I, I remember such a time. Something has gone dreadfully wrong. That people have decided to become callous and rude and, 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 and common decency just isn't so common anymore. I honestly don't know when things changed or what caused the change, but believe me when I tell you things are not the way they used to be. But in light of this truth, I want to submit to you that the problems that I've just outlined, it, it, it is not just about people's poor behavior. Instead, I believe that the challenge and the issue that we're dealing with stems from the condition of people's hearts. And so today, as we prepare to celebrate this season of thanksgiving, I want to speak on the subject of gratitude. And I've therefore titled this sermon, A Heart for Thanksgiving. Let us pray. Father, we've come now to the preaching hour. We've offered unto you, Lord, our worship, our praise, our songs, our money, all, all of the things that we know how to offer you into this place, even our bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to a holy God. Now, Lord, turn this monologue into a dialogue and speak back to your people. No one came here to hear me. They came to hear you. So, Lord, blot out my transgressions and my imperfections and sometimes my inarticulate speech. And let it be words of life, power, and authority that penetrates the heart of your people. Lord, change begins with us, but it begins, Lord, when you make it happen. So with the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, may it be acceptable in your sight and ready for your people. This I pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Common courtesy and Thankfulness used to be acceptable norms that directly correlated to having respect for people. In other words, you were courteous to someone because you had a certain measure of respect for them. So if you're not courteous, then chances are you really just don't respect them, right? And, and, and to be thankful, to be thankful or to express thanks, however, is very different from gratitude. I'm going to explain. While thankfulness is applicable to almost most general situations, to be grateful expresses a feeling, while to be thankful is an act. To be grateful is a feeling. To be thankful is an act. Now, to make it quite plain, when someone fails to say thank you, it simply means that they are not Grateful. You've seen this. You go into a building. You will press the button for the elevator. Someone's coming or, and you hold the door for them. And they walk in as if you weren't even there. Or you open the door for someone going into a bank. You're holding the door for them. And they walk in as if you weren't even there. They did not say thank you as the act and the behavior because they were not grateful for what you did. Are you tracking with me? I want to make sure you understand the difference between being thankful and being grateful. By way of definition, in its purest sense, gratitude is really the bonus value for having received something that you did not deserve. Let me explain. 
I believe it might have been Nefti or someone who told me the story that they had lost their wallet on a train or something. And it had all their money and all of their credit cards and all of their, you know, the driver's license. You know what it's like at their phone. They had all of this thing, and you know what it's like to lose that. I dare say none of you want to lose that phone or wallet. But didn't know where they had lost it. And got home and realized it was gone, and it might have been lost on the train. And out of nowhere, someone eventually, at, after some time, rang the bell, and it was a total stranger returning the wallet. The wallet was returned with every dollar in it accounted for. Everything, the phone, the credit cards, and the stranger said, was able to find the person's address and returned it. Now, receiving that, most of us are grateful. And so, because you are grateful, you did not deserve it returned, right or wrong. You lost it through your own fault. But someone out of the goodness of their heart decided to return it to you. And so your heart is now filled with gratitude for you have received something that you know you did not deserve. And that gratitude immediately now translates to thankfulness. And to show thankfulness, which is an act, she decided she would give some of the money that was in the wallet. And the person refused. But nonetheless, the act of thankfulness came from a heart of gratitude. Now, you cannot give thanks for anything until you first received something. This means that Thanksgiving, as we prepare to celebrate it this week, always begins with a heart of gratitude. It's for this reason why we are offering this Thanksgiving meal downstairs in honor and recognition of our civil servants all over the city. Why? Because we are grateful for what they do in their service. So to reiterate and to make sure you really get the point before I move on to our text, I want you to be clear on the difference. Thanksgiving is an act, but it comes from a grateful heart. You want to know if you're grateful for something, look at what you do in terms of thanks or lack thereof. So with all that said, it's now time to turn to our text found in Matthew, the 18th chapter and the 21st through the 35th verse. And, and, and see what we can learn from Jesus, the master teacher. Here's what the text says. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Yes. For this reason, Jesus goes on, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, along with his wife and children and all that he had, and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me. I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. But, but, but he was unwilling. 
and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? Should, 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 you, not, should you not allow the person to come into the lane the way that I allowed you to? You see where I'm going. And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. From your heart. By way of summary, there is a servant, of course, who owed his Lord 10,000 talents which in today's terms is the equivalent of several million dollars, which is why his family, his wife, all of these things had to be given up. And as he cried out and prostrated himself before, before the Lord, he, 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 he was able to get a major blessing by being forgiven of the debt. In the words of Robert F. Smith, in other words, Robert F. Smith had compassion on this student and paid off is enormous student loan debt. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And Morehouse, right? Now, having received this tremendous blessing, the servant was unwilling to forgive another servant who hold, owed him a mere hundred denarii. A denarius was really a day's wages, and it was worth approximately 16 cents. So the student whose student loan debt had been fully forgiven was unwilling to forgive the other student that had borrowed $5 from him the day before. You see where I'm going. And, and, and the reason why I'm making this comparison is because I want you to see that, that sometimes we can read the scriptures and think that it's only applied to that period when really and truly it's applicable to what's going on today. You have been forgiven a lot, but yet still you don't have the heart to forgive even the smallest amount. The principle here is that the one forgiven much should forgive much. Jesus wanted us to understand this principle. And he wanted his disciples to hear very clearly that, that, that it's not the amount of times that you forgive, it's that you should always be in a place of forgiving others for what they have done. Now, this parable, I know many of you are thinking, because I can see it on your faces, you're saying to yourself, but, but, but pastor, this parable is talking about forgiveness. What does it have to do with gratitude and thanksgiving? Oh. As a matter of fact, Jesus makes it pretty clear. He says, listen, the children, the disciples, my disciples, you have forgive, been forgiven much. I want you to forgive without limits. That's what Jesus is saying. But what does that have to do, pastor, with thanksgiving? Why are you using this kind of text to preach a message on thanksgiving? Well, as I shared with you before, you cannot give thanks for anything until you first, what, received something. I told you that. This means that thanksgiving always begins with a heart of gratitude. In the parable, our expectation is that since the servant was forgiven a huge debt, he had received something of value. And by receiving something of value, being forgiven what he owed, he had an obligation to forgive someone else something of even lesser value. The fact that he did not forgive the slave, the servant, 
The fact that he did not act simply means he really was not grateful for what the Lord, the master, had done for him. I want you to see that beyond forgiveness. In other words, when, it, let me see if I can make this clear to you. He, he was really not grateful. He had an expectation that the master, because the master was kind, because the master was compassionate, he was actually exploiting what he knew about his master. He knew that his master was kind. He knew that his master was benevolent. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, you might not necessarily see it. You might not necessarily understand it. But very often, sometimes we do things simply because we know how to play people. Come on, preacher. That slave knew he could not even, even if the master said, all right, I'm giving you a little more time. He probably had given him a lot of time. But he knew that if he could prostrate himself to cry out, to say, please forgive me, to make sure that he did everything to, to, to do what we call the crocodile tears. He knew that he would pull on the heartstrings of his master who was very compassionate. And what I'm telling you is that he expected his master to be kind. And because he expected his master to be kind when his master was generous, his heart was not grateful. And that's why he could not forgive his fellow slave. There's a difference. And the reason why I've titled the message the way that I titled it, a heart for thanksgiving is very different from a heart of thanksgiving. A heart for thanksgiving is very different from a heart of Thanksgiving. What's the difference, Pastor? Well, a heart of thanksgiving tends to look inwards. It's what happens whenever you re receive something and you feel happy and you're, you're joyous, but you're not necessarily compelled to make any kind of change or do anything different in your life. When you receive something of value that makes you so excited, you're happy to receive it, but not to the point where you are willing to do something different with the way that you live. You have a heart of thanksgiving. doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just simply means that the gift did not rise to the level that would cause you to change your behavior. You, 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 you have a tendency with a heart of thanksgiving to become overwhelmed, but not enough to change. A heart of thanksgiving is always willing and ready to do whatever is necessary to receive some kind of gift. Let me give an example of what I mean. Christmas is coming, and we know our young people, right? They want gifts. They want the best gifts. They want fancy gifts. They want nice gifts. And all of a sudden now, they, 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 they start to clean their room. All year long, you're trying to get them to clean their room. They can't clean their room. Mom, Dad, can I wash your car? You know, you know, all of a sudden now, they are, they, are the, 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 they are the children of the Lord. They are the best thing since sliced bread. Why? Because they recognize that there is a value to be received if they do something. And what I'm saying, that's a heart of thanksgiving. It doesn't mean that what they're doing is bad. It simply means that it's coming from a place. Because guess what? After they do the act and you give them the gift, guess what? You're going to be fighting with them for the rest of the year till Christmas comes again. They continue in their same behavior. If I let you into this, if I'm kind enough to let you into my lane, and then my, and someone else needs to be let in the lane, and you don't let them in, you were ungrateful. You didn't really care so much. You weren't grateful enough. 
that someone let you in. Are, are you seeing the difference? The heart for Thanksgiving is different. It never looks inward, but it focuses outward. It's directly linked to gratitude because it's concerned with everything outside of oneself. A heart for Thanksgiving can actually be seen in terms of three R's, and you'll see this in our text more clearly. The first R is recognizing, recognizing that you receive something you did not deserve. It is, it is what I talked about, the return of the wallet. You didn't deserve it, but you got it. And when you got something that you did not deserve and you recognize it, then you have now put yourself in a place to cultivate a heart for thanksgiving. Far too many people in this day and age miss the point simply because they're engulfed in what I call a spirit of entitlement. Mm -hmm. people, people with the spirit of entitlement take no responsibility for anything and often function as if things are owed to them. You know what I'm talking about. But by taking time to recognize the things that you have and enjoy, that today, all the things that you haven't, that you haven't enjoyed today, it really should come from a heart of gratitude because you know you did not deserve even to be here in this room. Many of us should have probably died a long time ago. Many of us should have probably lost our homes a long time ago. Many of us should have lost even our family, our spouses, a lot of things a long time ago. So what I'm saying to you is that when you think that it's owed to you, that God did you a favor, what I'm saying is that you don't recognize you have no gratitude in your heart and all you have is a heart of thanksgiving. Thank you, God. Do it again tomorrow. Thank you, God. I, I, I deserve this. Look, Lord, I'm tithing in your church. You owe me something, God. God owes you and me nothing. He is God all by himself. You are the creature. He created you and me for his good pleasure, not the other way around. God is not here to serve you or me. God is here to make sure that you demonstrate his power and his glory. I want you to understand what I'm saying because Thanksgiving comes around every year and we go through the same things over and over and over again without recognizing all that we have. We do not deserve. I am grateful to God. I tell people all the time that, listen, I like to think I'm a good father, but I can't protect my children the way God can. And so for the times when they're at school or they're doing their own thing, where I'm at work doing my own thing, I have to thank God that he's protecting them when I cannot. I am grateful to God. This is the first problem we see in the parable. The servant cried out to his Lord simply because he knew he was a compassionate man. And he played him like a fiddle. We make choices often, all the time. To, to, and let me bring it down our street because I want to make sure that you all understand what I'm saying. We run up our credit cards. We, 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 we have tax liens. We, 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 we miss mortgage payments. We do all of these things. The truth of the matter is we are in these incredible debts. Why? And then we say, well, you know, the credit card company, they should do this or they should do that. Yeah, it would be nice if they helped us out, but did they do it? We did it. So we deserve everything that's coming to us. So if we do get a tax break, or we do get a blessing, understand, my brothers and sisters, that you have to recognize 
that much of the problems we have in our lives, we caused it on our own. We did it ourselves. There is nobody to blame. That man who owed the master, he took that money, whatever, how much it was. He owed it. He's responsible for it. So the first step is to recognize that what you have, you did not deserve. That's the first step. And that's cultivating a heart for thanksgiving. The, the, the second R, I call this releasing others because you've been released. This is directly linked to the forgiveness that we see in the text. We tend to only forgive. Now watch this, and I want y'all to learn something. We, 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 tend to for, we, we, we tend to forgive to the extent that we believe we can get over a particular offense. What do you mean, Pastor? If we believe an offense that was done to us is too great of a problem for us, then we will not forgive that easily. Case in point, many of us were shocked when we watched on CNN or the news media when Brant Jean, the brother of Botham Jean, an unarmed man that was murdered in his own home by a white female police officer, was extended forgiveness and a hug by the brother at her sentencing. Many of us were shocked by that. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, we believe that, wait a second, for the crime that she committed, it's not worthy of that brother's forgiveness. It didn't warrant it. That was you and me sitting in the place of judge. Now, 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 now listen, the brother was clear in articulating that because he was a Christian and was raised in a household that held true to their Christian faith and their beliefs and their values, he understood what Christ's sacrifice meant on his behalf. Therefore, his heart of gratitude led him to forgive her. You see, when you have a heart of gratitude, a, 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 a feeling, it leads you to act. And the act led him to forgive. Now listen, I ain't trying to stay up here as no preacher with no fancy robe on to tell you that I could do that. I ain't trying to tell you that. What I'm saying is that I appreciated his acknowledgement and recognition for the God he served and what God did for him. Because the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, we don't see that in this parable. The servant was unwilling to release his fellow servant from five dollars because he truly didn't understand the magnitude of the forgiveness he got. Listen, we preach Sunday after Sunday that Christ did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. When Jesus Christ hung on Calvary's cross and he took on all of our sins and all of our infirmities, you need to understand when Jesus cried out on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was paying a price that you and I could never, ever pay. And while he released us, we have a responsibility and an obligation to release others as well. That's the second R. Release. If you understand that the Father released you from debt, a debt that you could not pay, then we have a responsibility and an obligation to release others as well. So if you find in your heart that it's hard for you to release others from what they have done for you, then I'm telling you, you don't have yet, you have not yet cultivated a heart for thanksgiving. And the final R as we get ready to close is rejoice. So after you have recognized that you received something 
that you didn't deserve. After releasing others because you realize that you have been released, then now you have to have gratitude to rejoice for that unspeakable gift that God gave. This is the part that many of us overlook because we sometimes think that we are so undeserving of anything to celebrate. You know, oh, woe is me. I don't need, we, we get stuck in the place of guilt and shame that we can't even rejoice and celebrate when good things come in our lives. Are, are you tracking with me? But the psalmist instructs us, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. Why? Why should I rejoice? Why should I be grateful? Why should I have this expression? Why? Because we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Y'all recognize this because we've been practicing and rehearsing and memorizing this scripture. We rejoice because we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may freely, freely know the things given to us by God. Our Heavenly Father knows how to give good gifts. And the greatest gift he gave to all of us was the gift of his only begotten Son, that whosoever may believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That gift paid the highest of debts of all debts, which was death for all those who commit sin. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. This is the message of the gospel. This is what I preach Sunday after Sunday. Because until you realize what kind of debt has been paid, believe you me, you don't have a heart for thanksgiving. And you will not release people when they owe you. You will not let people come into your lane when you cut them off. You are going to be rude and callous like everyone else in the world. Now, I'm not saying this to shame you or make you feel bad, but I'm saying be ye in the world, but not of the world. So, my brothers and sisters, as we reflect on this season of Thanksgiving, let us not do it out of mere rote behavior, what we always do, business as usual. You make the turkey, you do all of this. Yeah. Let's not do this out of duty. But instead, this Thanksgiving, let us recognize that in Christ, we receive something that we did not deserve. Let, 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 us, also, let us also be willing to, to release others because we ourselves have been what? Released. And let us rejoice and celebrate at the king's table. Downstairs we have it laid out lavishly at the king's table. We're going to celebrate what God has done for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. And in our fellowship and in our communion, we will say to everyone, as we say to this whole community, welcome, because there's always room at the king's table. Do this, my brothers and sisters, and you will have cultivated a heart of thanksgiving. 
But a heart for thanksgiving goes a step further. And perhaps, just perhaps, we might not be so callous after all. Amen? Amen. I pray that the message was sobering. I didn't want to really just come and just give you a really nice feel-good message. But I wanted to challenge you to really think about this season. The world is falling apart all around us. We see it all over the news media. We, we don't need to go into all the things that we see. But the world seems to be falling apart all around us. And while we see all these things, we wonder, what can we do about it? But here's what I say to you, my brothers and sisters. While you may feel that there is not much that you can do about it, you can change and impact what you do. So you be kind. You be courteous. You be loving. You be forgiving. Change your behavior. Because for every person that you show kindness to, you are letting your heavenly Father know that you are really, truly grateful for the gift that he gave to you. Now, it don't mean you're going to be perfect. You're still going to yell at people. We're still going to yell at each other. I know. I know how we are. And that's why for as many times as we fall, is as many times as we can turn to the master for help.